Hey everyone, this is Sophia. I'm Hannah. And I'm Christina. Welcome to Off-Campus Chats, where we talk to different off-campus people in efforts to connect Northeastern students with their surrounding neighborhoods. A little bit about us, we are community ambassadors for the Northeastern Off-Campus Housing and Support Services Office. When we aren't advising students in the office, we are finding new ways to connect Northeastern students to their off-campus communities. In this series, we'll feature some interesting speakers from different Boston communities. Our goal is to introduce them to all of you and showcase some interesting experiences and perspectives from the Boston community. For me, community is just that legacy and that history of what Roxbury's been, even throughout all the changes in the neighborhood. Welcome back to Off Campus Chats. My name is Hannah Phillips, and I'm joined here today with Daryl Kelton. Daryl is here to talk to us about his story, his experience growing up in Roxbury, and share what it was like to start his own dog walking and pet sitting business, Leash Dog Care. Thank you so much for joining us, Daryl. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. So, to give our listeners a chance to get to know a little bit more about you, we have some rapid fire questions for you. So you're gonna have 30 seconds on the clock to answer as many questions as you possibly can. Don't think too hard about it, just go for it. Here we go. Uh, And I know you're gonna hold my feet to the fire. I would never do such a thing. I'm ready. Let's start this timer. Dogs or cats? Cats. Halloween or Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. Soccer or baseball? Baseball. Favorite thing to cook? Macaroni and cheese. Good answer. Um, Worst Star Wars movie? (laughs) Last Jedi. (laughs) Go-to karaoke song? Rock with you, Michael Jackson. Nice. Uh, Favorite item in Fortnite? (laughs) Ah. Nothing. I'm terrible at Fortnite. I'm so bad. It's all good. Um, you you almost got through all the questions. You didn't quite win the game, but <laughs> oh, I didn't know it was a, I didn't know it was a game. Oh, come on! Now, you you know I'm competitive. You gotta let me know that we're competing out here. <laughs> Next time we'll have a prize for you. I promise. So this podcast is centered around community. So my first question for you, Daryl, is when you think of community, what comes to mind? Well, when I think of community. Um, especially here in Roxbury, I think legacy, you know, I can look across the street at a new building, a low-income housing building that they just built, and it's actually named the Hattie Kelton uh, Center after my great-grandmother on my mother's side, right? So it's awesome to be able to see remnants of the old Roxbury still here, while I also now own a home in the same neighborhood, you know, so for me, community is just that legacy and that history of what Roxbury's been, um, even throughout all the changes in the neighborhood. But, you know, it's great to see that there's a lot of people, you know, who have been here for a while uh, who still continue to be here and sort of keep up um, the rich tradition and history that we have here in Roxbury and in the Boston area in general. I love that idea of community as legacy, as something that's passed down from generation to generation. And now as a business owner, you're able to make your own mark on the neighborhood. And I think that's so cool. 
So going off of that, tell us about Leash. What is it all about? What kinds of services do you guys offer? Absolutely. So uh, Leash Dog Care is a business that I founded with my uh, business partner and friend Javier Vega back in October of 2016. Um, we're a dog walking and pet sitting company. Uh, we also offer a playgroup service um, that we run here in Roxbury. And um, yeah, I, I would say that for me, uh, being able to run my business here, even though we, we do service other neighborhoods in Boston, um, but to have our home base here in Roxbury has just been, it's been awesome and a blessing. Um, especially, you know, when young kids who are my neighbors come and they see the dogs and they ask questions and, you know, how do we become, you know, business owners? I want to do this. I want to do that. Um, leash has kind of been something where, Hey, we can show, you know, kids in the community that you can run your own business. You can own your own business here in Roxbury and you can have a lot of success doing it. So what is the origin story of Leash? Walk us through how it all started and what kinds of supports you had along the way. What was that process of starting out like for you? So the idea came um, when I was wandering away from my desk. I used to work at JP Morgan Chase uh, downtown and I was talking to one of my coworkers, Dave, and he was, we were just, we'd always been brainstorming about different business ideas. And, you know, I, I would say neither of us were super happy uh, pushing pencils uh, in cubicles, you know, in that environment. But, uh, you know, he just introduced me to, oh, he told me about a company called The Pooch Pooch in Dorchester. Um, and there were two owners of that company, Mark and Marco, he, Mark and Marco, he knew. And, you know, he said, go meet with these guys. You know, I think that you kind of have what it takes to, to make it in this industry. Um, go talk to those guys and, you know, see what they think. So I met with the Marks. Um, they kind of gave me the rundown about the dog walking and pet sitting business, you know, and, and, and their biggest advice was kind of do what you say you're going to do. And I said, well, that's easy. I can do that. You know, um, they said, you know, if you have high integrity and you do what you say you're going to do, um, you'll have the snowball effect and you'll gain clients over time. But the, the biggest thing was, you know, it's a high integrity business. People want to trust you. They want to know you. Um, you know, it's almost like childcare where somebody's entrusting you with, you know, the safety of, of their, of their pet, which is like their child. So, and after speaking to Dave and, and going to talking to the Marks, um, I met with Javier and I said, Hey man, I have this crazy idea. You know, I'm thinking about starting a dog walking and pet sitting business. And I told him about it and he liked the idea. Um, but I kind of sat on it for a little while, maybe a couple months. And so Javier came back to me and he said, Hey man, I think we should really try this out. And I said, do you want to do it? He said, he wanted to do it. I said, let's go for it. Um, and that was in probably, I would say February of 2016. So we started getting ready and I eventually left JP Morgan in May of 2016. And the company was finally launched officially in October of 2016. Um, so we've been doing it for four years now and it's been quite a ride. Um, but one I wouldn't, I don't regret and wouldn't replace with anything else. I love what I do. That's incredible. And I think that's such good advice too. do what you say. Integrity is so important. 
particularly for people who want to start their own business, but for everyone, really. Um, and I'm so inspired by that the courage that it takes to step out into the unknown like that. And I'm just so glad that it's working out so well for you. Yes, it was very unknown, um, especially for somebody who had never owned their own dog. I did have a cat named Waffles who lived for 26 years. Uh, so I was more, yeah, more of a cat guy uh, than a dog guy. But yeah, it was one of the things where I said, um, you know, there have been a lot of turnover where we where we were working and a lot of the what I thought were some of the most talented people we had in the team had left. And I said, well, I can either complain or bet on myself and go do something about it. And I bet on myself because uh, I didn't think I would lose. And we've been winning ever since. I love that confidence. That is so inspiring. But hold on, back up a second. You had never had a dog before you started a dog walking and dog sitting business? I never Wow, I can imagine that that would be a really big learning curve, especially having never owned your own dog before. Do you feel like you had a lot that you had to catch up on along the way? Huge learning curve, uh, and we're still learning to this day. You know, it doesn't come as naturally. You know, just Javier had a lot of dogs and other animals on a family farm um, when he was growing up, but for me, it was it was a huge learning curve. Um, like I said, I'm still learning today never satisfied, still hungry. Um, but what I did know was that I didn't know a lot. And so I dug in, um, leaned on experts like the Marks to help me out a lot. Um, Pet Sitters International was a resource that we used early. They had a pretty big guidebook on how to um, go about starting a dog walking and pet sitting business in terms of what we need to, we took a pet first and safety class um, so there are a lot of things that we have to learn on the fly, but um, there's plenty of resources out there, especially with the internet now that everything is, all the information we ever need is in the palm of our hands at all times. Want to join a local arts and crafts club? Students and community members can explore the elements of art with paints and markers, beat a backpack buddy, or try hand lettering. Free materials will include everything you need for our projects. Learn more at FenwayCommunityCenter.org. So what would you say are some of the challenges or hurdles that you faced in the early stages of starting your own business? And how would you say those differ from the ones that you face now? Yeah, so I mean, some of the challenges that we faced early, um, hey, anytime you're starting a business, you don't know what you don't know, right? So it's a lot of trial and error at first. Like I said, we started planning in February. I left my job in May. And we thought we were going to launch pretty much right away. And we didn't launch till October because we just fine tuned and we were getting ready and we were prepping. Um, so just the unknown unknowns, you know, things that you just don't know and that you run into um, was a challenge. That still happens um, over the course of business ownership. Um, you know, four years in, we have a much better handle on a lot of those things. And we've learned a lot. And every time you learn a new skill or a new tool, you just put it in the tool belt. And, uh, and you have it going forward. Um, another big challenge was just getting our name out there. Um, nobody knew who we were, you know, when we first started. We're just this, um, this company that's just listed. And so, I mean, through, I think, great branding, um, some of my network that I had in the West Roxbury, Rosendale Park areas, um, we were able to grow and, and establish our name. Um, 
and just two, just not looking like your average dog walkers. Um, it's a female dominated industry. For us being two straight minority males, dog walking in, in you know the JP Chestnut Hill area is just a little different. It's a little abnormal um, than what I think a lot of people are used to seeing when they look for dog walkers. So I think you know those are still challenges we might face today. Is like getting past that initial the initial skepticism. Um, but I always tell people once we kind of get into a meet and greet scenario when people meet us, they know um, how serious we are about our business and how when you do hire leash dog care, you're going to get premium pet care. That's the best in the business. I can totally see how that trust and that relationship that you build with the clients is so important because they are, they're putting so much trust in you. They're trusting you with their pets. That's, they're almost like their child, right? Um, people have such strong attachments to them. Um, so how do, you, how do you go about building that relationship? It's really one of those things where now our reviews speak for themselves. You know, if you can check us out on Google or Yelp um, or any other review site, um, our reviews are very strong. And that's pretty much what this business is built on. It's reputation based. Um, if you have a good reputation and people speak highly of you, you're able to use clients as references. Um, then you can sort of uh, bypass um, some of the skepticism, I would say. Um, obviously, it's not always the case, and some people still have reservations, and, you know, you don't know who's looking at you and passing you by, but I would say, um, I mean, we, we try to highlight our reviews and, and let our work speak for itself. So now is kind of a strange time to be a business owner. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. I've seen some of my favorite businesses, restaurants, bars, just dropping like flies. Um, and I'm wondering how the dog walking and dog sitting business has been impacted by all of this. Can you speak to that a little bit? Oh, yes, I can speak to that. Um, we were affected um, huge negative effects. Um, we instantly saw our revenues drop 75%. Uh, we went from having five employees, not including Javier and myself, to basically just Javier and myself. Um, we were able to rehire um, a few of our workers, um, which has been awesome, but that's only because their situations um, don't require them to really have a full work schedule right now, which is nice. So it's kind of worked out well for us in terms of we can give folks as many hours as we have available for them. But in terms of COVID affecting the dog walking business, it, it's been highly detrimental. Um, most companies, especially who can only offer walks, I mean, we went from doing 35 to 40 walks a day to doing three walks a day, and now to doing maybe six walks a day. Wow, that's a big shift. Absolutely, that's, that's a huge shift. So luckily, we do have our playgroup service, and that's something that has really been able to sustain us throughout um, the COVID period, um, because that's something that you really can't replicate. Um, you know, socialization, exercise. Um, folks still want their dogs to, to, to get, you know, socialized and be around other dogs and have some playtime and get out of the house. But in terms of walks, um, people are home, so they just don't need walks, um, per se. Walks are really the only thing keeping me sane at the moment, so I can imagine that that's the case for a lot of people. 
Um, well, yeah, and that, that's another thing. It's like even people who were using us, I, I, I talked to one of my buddies uh, who was a client, and he's like, hey, I'm sorry, man, but he's like, my walk with my dog is the only time I have to get out of the house. And I was like, I didn't even think of that. I totally understand that. Because it's just so abnormal for us to just be so cooped up in the house so people have to get out and find any way to – because it's just so easy to get stuck in a routine and just be inside all day. It's interesting to see how COVID and the pandemic has been treated by different governments in different countries. But I remember hearing about in the UK, people were only allowed to leave their house at the beginning of lockdown if they had a dog to go for a walk. (laughs) So having a dog affords you some privileges that other people don't have. And so they were seeing like animal shelters had the highest rate of adoption that they've ever had because everybody was getting a dog just so that they could go on a walk. Yeah, if we can survive this uh, this quarantine season, um, a lot of people got dogs. So I do think the industry will come back, but we did, the, unknown of, the unknowns of how long this will last, uh, that's a tough part. So what's next for Leash? I know it's probably really hard to say right now with the uncertainty of how long the pandemic is going to last and all and how that's going to affect everything. Um, but do you have any big plans coming up? Anything that we should look out for? So I can talk about some of our plans that we had right before COVID. Um, we're actually just getting ready to, we were preparing to move into a commercial space. Um, and unfortunately we had to pull the plug on that and we'll put it on hold for now. Um, but for us, you know, we, we remain t- we remain focused on getting into a, a nice commercial space, um, somewhere where we can provide uh, a full daycare service um, with indoor and outdoor services. So um, we'll continue to look for the right opportunities. But I mean, for right now, and for the foreseeable future, um, you know, for us, it's just day to day. It's just steering this company through this tough time and making sure that we're around. Um, when things do start to get better. So for us, um, it's really just doing what we do and doing it as well as possible. Um, you know, the basics, the fundamentals, just making sure that we're not taking anything for granted um, on a day-to-day basis and, and putting ourselves in position um, to where we can expand um, after we get out of this COVID situation and, um, you know, and, and see some of our expansion plans through fruition. Well, I'm sorry that your plans got foiled by the pandemic, but I'm so excited for you, and I hope that things will pick up right where they left off after this is all over. There'll be a big, um, there'll be a big uh, celebration, happy hour, uh, Anna. You'll be invited. It's gonna be yes. great. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. I'm honored to be invited, and I can't wait. Oh, freedom. Join members of the Fenway Community Center for a monthly meeting as they explore the history of the United States from a new perspective, beginning with the lives of indigenous people who established cultures and civilizations long before Europeans reached this land. Learn more at FenwayCommunityCenter.org. The next topic that I wanted to touch on is where you grew up. As we know, um, Roxbury is one of the neighborhoods surrounding Northeastern and a lot of our students do live there. Um, So I'm really curious to hear your perspective as somebody who lived there, lives there still, founded a business there. What has your experience been like growing up in Roxbury? So in terms of growing up in Roxbury, it's been tremendous. Uh, It's centrally located, extremely close to downtown. I live 
just a few minutes away from Jackson Square, uh, close to the Green Line. I used to walk to Fenway Park as a kid. So just being in Roxbury um, has really given gives you everything. I mean, I do have yard space and I have a driveway. Um, I drive, but also if I want to walk places, I want to take the T, it's easily accessible. So Roxbury is a highly coveted neighborhood in Boston. And it's awesome um, that I've been able to grow up here and, and experience that. As far as the students being here, we've always seen students on the back of the hill. You know, Mission Hill has always had a, a high student population, even when I first got here in 2004. Um, but we're starting to see students move to the other side, what, what they used to call the other side of the hill, right? And bleeding over into the, into the Roxbury and the Fort Hill areas. Um, and that's been interesting, um, to say the least, you know, just seeing different color faces, different types of people where you would never see them walking before. Um, it's like, oh, wow, you, you live here now? Oh, goodness. Uh, it, it, you came down to, you know, walking by history? It's, uh, so it's just different. Um, I would say that over the last few years, you've definitely seen a, a, an increase, I would say, in students. Um, even though I've been used to seeing them, you know, all my life, like I said, just walking back into the Mission Hill side of things. I used to work at the Stop and Shop in Brigham Circle, so definitely have my fair share of student stories. I've had a lot of positive interactions with students, um, you know, just speaking to folks and, you know, folks walking by the house and just having funny banter with young people and listening to young people, um, you know, with a lot of great ideas, um, maybe meeting, you know, somebody over at Flans for the first time and, and getting to talk to them. So I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of life in the neighborhood, which is nice. And I like to see that, um, you know, as long as the kids, you know, are picking up their beer cans and stuff, I would say, you know, that's something we've seen in the last couple of years. I think that's such a good point. We, as students, we really do need to be mindful about cleaning up after ourselves and leaving the place better than how we found it. Um, our office does run something called Breakfast Club. For any students listening at home, this is a great way um, to get involved and give back to your community. Um, every Sunday morning, our office sends students out to um, the Fenway and Mission Hill areas to pick up trash. Um, and we've gotten some really good feedback from community members who've said that they really appreciated it. Um, and we do want to be leaving a positive impression. So it is such a great way to contribute and give back to the communities and neighborhoods that we're living in. And speaking of the, the effect that students are having on the surrounding neighborhoods, we hear a lot about gentrification and how rising property values can have negative effects on the current inhabitants of those neighborhoods. So I'm interested in your opinion on what can be done to limit some of those effects? Um, what I would what I would say is is that we need to find a way to a, 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 a for our community people who are already here um, don't sell. There's a lot of predatory um, messages. I get them all the time. Hey, buying houses for cash, you know, will you sell? So we just need to be more educated about you know what we have and why people want it. Um, it's tough because the reason why gentrification can happen so easily is because there really isn't a lot of investment in the communities, you know, when they are predominantly black. So it's one of those things where 
you hate to see it, but I, I don't want to categorize it as a Northeastern problem. It's really a, a city problem in general. And um, what we need to do is empower the folks who are already here to own, to help us maintain and own our own stuff. And, and, and also to put some dollars, the city, you know, to put some dollars into it and make things look nice uh, when it's us living here. Fenway Civic Association is an all-volunteer organization formed in 1961. They work to conduct neighborhood cleanups, perform licensing reviews, sit on development advisory boards, and community advocacy groups, all with the mission for a vital, livable neighborhood. To join or learn more, please visit www.fenwaycivic.org. Like we were talking about earlier, small businesses have been impacted in all kinds of ways by this pandemic, and it's really unfortunate to see some of our favorite places going out of business. Are there any um, hidden treasures in Roxbury that students can support, or just any local um, small businesses that you know of that may have been hit particularly hard by the pandemic and that um, students could contribute to by giving them extra business? Um, so I'll shout out a, a few minority-owned businesses that I know. Um, my cousin, um, Quante, has a great, she makes different accessories and, and shirts and things like that. And it's more, more of an online business, but she's based here in the city. And um, the name of her business is QMadeIt. So if you visit QMadeIt.com, um, you'll be able to see some of her works. Uh, Jamaican Me Hungry is a business that's, um, you know, they had a lot of food trucks. I think now they have two brick and mortar locations. Um, they're located uh, right next to Jackson Square, literally right off the station. Um, Jamaican Me Hungry has a restaurant there. Um, this is a little outside of Roxbury, but Cornerstone uh, Pizza, it's in Four Corners um, on, on Bowdoin Street in Dorchester um, on the Roxbury line um, is another great business that people should support. And I don't have any off the top of my head, but there are plenty of lists out there, I think, circulating right now. People getting more socially conscious in these times um, that, that list out black businesses. And I would just stress that people go out of your way to, to go and experience something new. If you're a Northeastern student, go eat at Slate's, go eat at Daryl's Kitchen. Um, you know, those are great restaurants. You might not think of walking down there on that side of Ruggles, but... I think uh, folks would be pleasantly surprised and, and, and really enjoy some of these places. You know, Wally's Jazz Cafe. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of great Black-owned businesses that are, that are in the area that I would say, um, if you do have the opportunity, go in and, and support. Yeah, those are some great resources. Definitely a great thing to keep in mind, especially as the holidays are coming up. Um, it's It really is worth it to go out of your way, like Daryl said to support minority-owned businesses. Um, and yeah, those, those resources are easy to find online and it just takes a little bit of extra legwork. So definitely a great thing to keep in mind when we're thinking about um, shopping for Christmas presents and things like that. Just before we wrap up here, um, do you have a favorite memory or a favorite moment when you look back at your time with Leash that really highlights why you love doing what you do? Well, we're a service. We're a service business. We're here for our clients. I always tell people that. And one of our biggest um, assets is our flexibility. We don't require you to hire, you know, hire us for X amount of walks per week. If you need us once this month, we're here. If you need us 20 times next month, we're here. You know, so for us, I would say just being there for our clients. Um, 
we've seen some pretty awesome things. You know, we've seen our, we've, we've experienced some of our clients having their first children. We've experienced clients getting married. Um, we had one case where, um, actually this person, um, lived in the, in the Roxbury area. One of our few, one of our, um, our Roxbury clients who was pretty close, um, they were getting married and they needed somebody to bring the dog down to take photos. So, um, and it was very chaotic, very last minute. And, um, I was able to make it happen for them, um, you know, free of charge, but I was just so happy for them to have that moment and, you know, to get their dog, um, down into the photos It took them down to the, uh, to the greenway near the garden. And, um, they had a beautiful photo shoot and Layla was so happy and she loved her tail was wagging. The photographer was working with her and they got the shot, but it was those, it's those moments like that where it's like, Hey, we can help our, our, our clients have special moments. Um, we you know if a client needs to go away for something important and we can step in and watch their dog or do some overnight sitting for them. You know, we're so happy to, to, to be able to be of service and to help people. Um, we don't do it for free, um, you know, for the most part, but at the same time, um, just like childcare or anything else, we're here to, to provide the best experience possible and to, you know, give our clients a piece of us. Do you have any final thoughts, any last things that you wanted to emphasize or maybe final advice for students before we close? No, I mean, I, I, th I think we've touched on, I think we've touched on a lot, but um, I mean, for me, what I would say is respect the neighborhood. You know, when I say, would say students, respect, respect the history of this neighborhood. Um, I'm a big believer that students should be given a little bit more leeway and, you know, they should be able to have fun and, and not be demonized for parties. I, I know it's weird with COVID right now, but, you know, I think that's important for young folks' development. But I would also say on the flip side is understand that there are people who've been here for a long time, um, who have families here, who are, who are raising children. Um, and I would say just have respect for them and respect, you know, for the, like I said, the history of what this neighborhood is. Because um, there's a lot of rich tradition, a lot of history here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Off Campus Chats with Daryl Kelton. I hope you all learned something and who knows, maybe you even were inspired to go and start your own business. All of the small businesses that Daryl mentioned in this podcast will be linked in the description of this episode, so please check them out and support as much as you can. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and we'll see you in our next episode.